in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Hi, y'all. This is Mandy Barham, and welcome to That Farm Life Podcast. Archie Mason is out this week on vacation, so I'm filling in for him. And we've got some great guests that we're talking to today, Mark and Elaine Williams of Lavaca, Arkansas. And these guys have some just stories of faith, family, and farming that we wanted to share with y'all. Welcome, you guys. Glad y'all are with us. Thank you. Good to be here. So I understand, Elaine, you grew up in Lavaca. How do y'all say it? Y'all don't say Lavaca. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you grew up in Lavaca, but Mark, yeah. you did not. Tell me how you guys met and how did you end up on the farm? Well, I'm originally from Jonesboro and my parents moved to Lavaca back in 1971. And uh, we actually met, I guess, just through high school. I mean, you know, playing ball and sports and all that kind of stuff. High Basically. school sweethearts. Yeah. First date was hunting, deer hunting. Yeah. And I he did. fell out and of I his fell tree. out of the tree. So Elaine, though, you grew up and, and your dad started the cattle operation. You guys are still continuing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What you guys are doing? Well, he started, he, he joined the American Angus Association in 1957, November of 1957. So I grew up uh, with him raising registered Angus cattle. We, I showed cattle at the fairs. My brother showed cattle. And then Mark started working for him some. And we showed cattle. And then our kids showed cattle. And now our grandchildren are showing cattle. So, Mark, did you intend to end up not just showing the cattle, but raising the cattle too? Never really did end I never thought I would end up with the farm. I'd actually told my father-in-law, he he told me a time or two, he said, you need to come down to the farm and, and learn what's going on and all this, that, and the other. And I told him, I said, I married your daughter. I didn't marry that farm. And I was, I was into so much of hunting and fishing and, and that kind of stuff that uh, up until 1994, when God really changed my mind and the kids were wanting to show and, I quit fishing cold turkey. I, that was when I was fishing a lot and said, I'm done. And for 17 years, I never fished again. But showing cattle with the kids, we've traveled all over the country to the National Angus shows and and uh, competed and, and had a good time doing it. And when you talk about saying you fished, I know that's not just, you know, going down to the old fishing hole. You actually competed, competed in tournaments and things, right? Tournament, I, I did. I tournament fished. And it, back then it was the old red man circuit and, uh, which is now, well, it was the FLW and now it's, uh, part of major league fishing. It was a more than I wanted to do more. It was a job. And so it wasn't fun anymore. Well, I know you guys in the past year or two have shifted from just raising the cattle and to getting into selling beef directly. 
And Mark, you were telling me that that's just kind of something y'all fell into. Can you can you tell us a little more about what y'all do with that and how that works? Well, we've always been a cow-calf operation and we've always sold breeding bulls and we've sold heifers and we've sold cattle at registered sales. But I don't know, it's probably been 10, 12, 13 years ago that some people were wanting, you know, just fed out beef. And uh, we started feeding our own beef and, and doing it. Well, then we would try to sell it. And it's just grown into now that, well, this last year, I think we'll this last, this year, we will butcher about 20 head of cattle, you know, and, and, and sell. Now I don't let Elaine run out of beef, but you know, she's got to, she's got to have her part, but uh, God has just grown it into something that instead of uh, really a, uh, selling breeding stock so much that we're just selling to individuals, you know, really all over the country. We've gone as far as Monahans, Texas, to Birmingham, Alabama, to Jonesboro, to Tulsa, Little Rock. We sell beef all over. And it's kind of like a farm to freezer. We, uh, we set a price, we pay all the processing, we do all the stuff, we deliver it. And we did a lot of places that we just go and put it in the freezer. And several years ago, when the Iowa beef packers had their problems and, you know, they had problems with their processing and even through the pandemic, you know, there was lots of problems with beef. It's God has just really used it to to grow our business. Well, and I, I know during the pandemic, it was hard to find beef or beef mm-hmm. that was affordable in a lot of places. So it sounds like God had uniquely already set you guys up to be able to meet that need. Um, are there any other ways that um, God has used y'all's business to meet the needs of other people? God did tell, he told me one morning where I'm sitting in my recliner doing my Bible study. And I really felt impressed to give some beef away. We just need to give, and we, it was ground beef. It wasn't the steaks and all of that stuff, but it was just ground beef. And I, you know, was going to grind up one whole one and just give it away. And uh, I said, okay, God, and I'm like I say, I'm sitting doing my Bible study. Elaine's getting dressed. And she's in another room. And uh, I said, if you want this to happen, you tell her. And I said, I'm not going to say a word. This is something that you've got to tell her to do, too. We've got to be on the same page. And so anyway, Elaine walks in the room. Well, I I was in listening to a sermon. I was getting ready and uh, in listening to a sermon. And I just felt like God said, you need to give some beef away because people were having trouble finding it in the supermarket. And like you said, the price was crazy. And uh, so I just, I was trying to think, how could we help people? And that was it. So I went back and told him, you know, Hey, what do you think about giving away one? God was just all over it. And so, and it's always good to, when you trust God in everything, you know, and he comes through and he says, Hey, this is what I want you to do. You know, and he guides your footsteps and uh, he, he takes it and, you know, you go with it. Then it's always good to have that confirmation. And it's not always that easier that quick, No, you know, um, I guess if there's anything I could say about the farm life would be that uh, God's been faithful day in, day out, weekly, yearly. You know, as I look back, um, 
I'm a real planner. And um, I like to have everything mapped out. It's kind of like walking across a creek that uh, you see stones. I like to stop on this side and pick out every stone that I'm going to step on all the way across to get to the, the other side. And I'm the same way about farming. But um, it doesn't work that way. I mean, you have the bull that goes bad and you don't get to calf crop or the, the market drops when you get to go to it's time for you to sell or um, you don't get the hay that you need and just or the weather doesn't work or you get flooded out and you don't have enough rain. Just so many things like that, which messes up my plans. But, you know, it's like walking across that creek just as you get to the end of the rock that you plan to step on and you think the next step, I'm going to go in the water and drown. God slips a rock right under your foot. And uh, that's kind of what he does with farming. When you say he's been faithful, you're not saying he's made it easy or everything. <laughs> no. I think no. a lot of people hear that and they think, oh, well, you just haven't faced any any struggles or anything. No. No, and that's oh. what I was saying. That particular thing, giving away beef, it doesn't always come that the answer doesn't always come that quick and easy. Yeah, and sometimes it's a struggle to give that away. I mean, I say a lot of times that you know the farm life is not friendly, especially with market friendly. Uh, it seems like feed goes up, the beef prices go up, but what we as producers we don't get that much more, you know, we have to make do with what we get. And it's, it's not always that increase that you see, especially in the supermarkets. And we, even when we gave the beef away, we cut our prices down uh, to help other people just, I mean, we'd given beef away, but in another term, we sold some and we'd cut the price down and was really losing money. And so, you know, just but to help people out. But God, faithful and blessed but God has blessed that. Yeah. He's really. turned it around and really blessed it. And in the eyes of the world, that's crazy. In the eyes of the world, you guys should have said, hey, there's a beef shortage. People are willing to pay. And we've got this prime, you know, farm fresh product. We should jack up the price. So why didn't you? Well, I just don't feel good about doing it. I don't think that's why. I just, it's not honoring we could have jacked up the price. People were saying, people asked us, you know, why are you getting this price for it when it's five, six dollars a pound more in a grocery store for the, and I'm talking the real good ground beef and, you know, and stuff like that. Well, that's just not God honoring. You just can't do that. So you guys value honoring God and living according to the way he wants. And you see that faithfulness that he gives you because because when we listen to him, then he definitely, you know, he operates by different rules. Exactly. His his blessing standards is different than what a human blessing standard is. And uh, I used to tell uh, one of our church members, they'd ask, you know, about they'd said something about tithing. And there were some years that you're losing money. I mean, you're actually losing. It. But I said, man, I still even tithe on a on a losing farm, I, you know, it's, it's God on God's given it to us and God has worked it in our lives where we both love it. I mean, we love the farm life and you can't so we, outgive God and you, that's right. You can't outgive God. Y'all were telling me that last year y'all had a real health scare 
and how God was faithful through that. Would you, would you mind sharing that with our listeners? On October the 29th, we were getting ready to work calves and just a normal day. And I went over to the barn to get some stuff, some supplies. Elaine was over at the working pens and, and getting ready, you know, to get started. And I just didn't feel right. Didn't feel good. So finished what I was doing. I thought, well, it's going to pass. And I drove over to where she was at and said, something's not right. And I said, let's go down here to a friend of ours who was a first responder. Uh, he's a, actually the coroner. And that's yeah, not who you a want little, to A see. little humor in that. <laughs> he was, he's actually the coroner now. And uh, of course he told us, you know, he said, Hey, I was going to get my blood pressure checked. And he said, you need, you need to go into the hospital. And so you were hurting real bad. I was, by that time I was starting to hurt bad. And for those of you that know anything about CPR, I taught CPR for years. And the first symptom that you're having a heart attack is to deny it. Well, I denied it and I taught it for years, you know, but, uh, I really thought I was having a heart attack. I, I really did. And uh, Elaine started, we started toward the hospital. She calls 911. And they told us that they would meet us at a, it was at a Casey store about seven, eight miles from where we were at. Well, they didn't get there. And by this time, I'm really hurt. By the time we get to the Casey's, it's, I'm, I mean, my arms and everything is gone. I mean, I'm, I've got all the symptoms that I can feel. And we, they tell her, she's on the phone with 911, keep driving, keep going. And we get to the hospital eventually. They said they were going to meet somewhere else, but they didn't. And they told her, just go all the way on to the hospital. We got to the hospital and they literally had to get me out of the truck. I was hurting so bad and uh, put me in a wheelchair, took me in. And, uh, at that point, uh, I knew, I mean, my chest was hurting so bad. I mean, it was, it's, I've had kidney stones before and they've hurt, but this was a pain that I'd never, you know, never had to deal with. And when they took me in, this is kind of where Elaine's deal started. She texted a friend of hers. I'm going to let you tell what you did. Well, I just text my friend that I ride horses with. Her husband happens to be a cardiologist. And of course, Mark had had no symptoms, no problems. So he didn't have a cardiologist. And uh, I just text her to ask her if he happened to be on call. And she said, well, no, but um, she would, you know, see who was on call or, or what he was doing. Well, um, when he got there, none of his uh, signs, I mean, EKG, heart enzymes, everything was normal. So it didn't look like he was having a heart attack, but they couldn't get the pain to stop. So anyway, I text Dee, and um, in just a few minutes, her husband walked in the door. And by that time, they had kind of decided it wasn't a heart attack because none of the the test came back that it was. and. Um, he walked in the door and just in a couple of minutes, he knew 
and said, let's go to the cath lab. And boy, we took off to the cath lab. He asked me, he said, what do you think about going to the cath lab? I said, I'm ready. I was really in enough pain. They had given me two nitros, morphine, Dilaudid, and then fentanyl in this process. And it never touched it. It was still hurting just as bad. Well, it kept getting progressively worse. And of course, he took me in. He said, what do you think about going to the cath lab? And I said, let's go. I, I'm ready. I had to have some relief. And I knew that. And uh, we got in the cath lab and and uh, he kind of described what we're going to do. And I said, let's go. And they went in my wrist and they put a stent in. In the, He told me that the heart attack that I had was the Widowmaker. And I had my main artery that was 100% blocked. It blocked all the blood from the left side of my heart. And there was no blood flow. But when he put the stent in, they went in my wrist and put the stent in. It was just like, just a breath of fresh air. I've had my doctor's appointments after that. And he's told me, he said, you shouldn't be alive. And I had another doctor friend of mine tell me that there's no way you should have survived it. Less than 10% of the people survive those heart attacks. And most of the time, those, if you do, are directly right there in the hospital. And anyway, he still tells me I'm a walking miracle. And I just, my answer is, well, God is good. They proceed to tell me, well, God's not done with you. But I think about that a lot. Had Elaine not met, you know, or my cardiologist's wife and got to know her and became good friends several years ago. Uh, she wouldn't have had that. God wouldn't have given her that connection to, hey, send a text message to her. And then him say, well, when my wife, he told me, he said, well, when my wife texts me and say so-and-so's in the ER, well, I do what I'm told. And so he came down to the ER and and the rest of that's history. But the the God thing about it is not only did I survive it, but when I went back for my test, Three months later, I actually have no damage. I have no heart damage, no wall damage. And he said, I don't know how to describe it. I don't. He said, you're a walking miracle. He said, all I can tell you to do is just go out and play. And he's released me and I have no restrictions at all whatsoever. Now, for the first three months that while I was healing from the heart attack, everywhere I went, I had to have a babysitter, uh, you know, I. That was that was kind of comical. Even if it was my grandkids, they had, I had to have that. But through all of that, God's been faithful. And so uh, all I can say is, you know, God's never done with someone's life. You just you don't know what God's got in store for you. And, it, and I still don't know everything that God's got in store, but I know he's not done. And there were several God things. For one thing, we were together. I mean, he yeah. wasn't off somewhere and me off someplace else. We were together so we could go straight to the hospital. Um, there, a, a few vessels rerouted a little bit, which gave him just a little bit of blood flow, which probably also kept him alive, you know, until something could be done. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the no damage. And, of course, knowing who to call and him being, him being there. I mean. Yeah, he was actually at the hospital. And so I see in that a similarity to y'all's story about helping people in the pandemic with the beef, because 
God had set you on that path ahead of time. So when there was a need in your community and a need to help other people, you were, you were already ready. You were stepped right in. And in the same way, he knew ahead of time, he knew that was going to happen. And so he provided the relationship with your friend you ride horses with. And he provided the fact that y'all be working together that day. And the fact that you weren't on your boat fishing or out doing something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And was with every step of the way that sovereignty and he ordained those things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. God's good. That's all I can say. Well, a lot of times people do think if you become a believer and you put your faith in, in Christ, that everything's going to be perfect. And then when things aren't perfect, they feel like God's failed them. But what would you guys say to that? Mm, God's faithful every day. We're not perfect. We don't live a perfect life. Life is not perfect. There's trials. He delivers you from all your fears and all your sufferings. But now that doesn't always mean a supernatural rescue immediately. This particular one was pretty supernatural rescue, but they're not all like that. I mean, some of them, he just holds our hand and walks through with us and uh, or gives us direction Deliverance doesn't always come in immediate relief. <laughs> I think that is just a perfect example of God's faithfulness. And it's it's so true that he doesn't always step in and deliver or even answer our prayers the way we want. But we can trust that he's a good father and he's yeah. got your hand and he's with you through everything. So. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story with us today. And thank you all of y'all who are tuning in listening for joining us on That Farm Life. We hope that you will like us and um, follow along on social media. You can find us at AgriHealth on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And also, if you have any questions or have any comments or any ideas on somebody that we could talk to or a story you want to share, you can always email info at agrihealth.net. Make sure you check out our website at agrihealth.net for resources, for information about upcoming conferences and conventions, and for what's going on with the upcoming Shop Talk. It'll be an opportunity for us to all gather together with some of the other folks in the ag industry and talk a little bit about faith, family, and farming. Until next week, keep farming and keep the faith. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith.